Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. CJ, did you ever imagine in your lifetime that you would ever say something, either on TV or on radio or on a podcast, and someone would take whatever you've said, maybe like a weird, quirky statement of yours, and put it on a T-shirt? Had you told me that, I would say... That would be Redick if that ever happened. <laughs> kind of funny you say Redick because uh, on the SDPN shop website, there is now a Redick collection. CJ, you've made it the Redick collection. There's, there's at least shirts. I know that for sure. There's a few other things there as well. I think on mugs too. There's a mug. But, yo, man. You've made it, dude. I just got, I just got to applaud you today. That's- I, should be, I should be drinking my good, good coffee out of a Redick mug uh, in future weeks. Yes. Uh, so seriously, if you go to the SDPN website, go to the shop page, uh, you can now find uh, the collection for That's Ridic. For context, there was an episode where CJ said Ridic as short for ridiculous, and everyone has caught on since. So yeah, you can now wear stuff that says Ridic on it. So uh, yeah, go over to the SDPN website, go to the shop page, and you can find it there. So uh, thank you. Shout out to the powers that be for actually making it a reality. I'm, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's from the first sunglasses episode post trade deadline, the morning after trade deadline. So I was in a, I was in a bit of a goofy weekend at Bernie's type mood. And uh, I don't know where Redick came from, but now it's, it's sweeping the nation. Well, you know, what's, what's the logical next step, right? Like CJ branded sunglasses. <laughs> Like that, that has to be it. Like, like CJ, like the sunglasses, you have like a CJ like sticker on the side, like that, that has to be it. Well, let's, let's just let our imaginations take us as far as they can. Absolutely. That's as best as we can do. Okay. Let's actually get to some hockey stuff. This is the first time we're doing an episode um, post the first game of the Edmonton Colorado series. We know they're going to play later uh, tonight. Uh, the Rangers and the Lightning we're going to get to. But there seems to be some conversations, especially on social media, going around about the rules. And that Kale McCarr goal he scored earlier this week, really sick one. But there seems to be some uh, a lot of discussion about the offside rule. 
I'm, I'm, and I mean, we could talk about that rule, but what do you think of the fact that we've had to deal with that and the Blake Coleman no goal as it was? A lot of people seem to be having uh, questions about rules in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. Well, the discussion I wish we were having is can we get rid of offside reviews altogether? Because if you look in the rule book, I think technically that rule was called correctly and the, the linesman on the ice, you know, called it correctly as it's in the rule book. And, and so the game didn't really need to be stopped there. I suppose there still would have been conversation though. I mean, if, if there's no offside review, you know, Sportsnet or ESPN or, or TNT, I guess in this case would be showing the, uh, the, the replays and, and there'd still be a furor over what everyone thought was a, you know, blatant offside. But I, I just, I don't like offside reviews in general. I'm like, it's funny. I, I look back, I covered a playoff game. It was Islanders Panthers. I think it was 2016. And there was a game I was covering that turned on. I believe it was that series. Anyway, I know I wrote this. I was like, if, if it's so close that the human eye can't detect it's offside or onside, but the referee calls it on, or the linesman calls it onside. Why are we reviewing that and taking goals off the board? Um, so that's actually what I see. Like, I, I think there's probably a correct, application of the rule in the McCarr case, but I, I don't like offside reviews in general. And the rule book, like I saw Ray Farrell getting into this, to be honest, like I almost feel like that's a, a bit beyond my level of understanding. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the rule book that well, if I'm being honest, like I understand the rules of the game, but I, but in terms of the language in the book, like I haven't studied that. And so I don't have a strong opinion there. I trust Ray implicitly. He's a smart guy. And, and, I suspect if he's digging into this on Twitter, he's, you know, he's got good reason to, but man, the rules of the sport are, are rather gray at times. I think that's just a fact. I don't like that. They're gray. I don't like that. There's an interpretation for kicking a puck in or a delayed offside or an off or, or straight offside as it is. Like I'm all for simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. So if there's a way to rewrite some of those rules to make them more simple, I am all for it. That being said, I agree with you on the McCarr case. I think they called it right after seeing enough clips of similar plays from the past before that goal. It looks like they applied it correctly. Yes. And that's the thing. Like they're not making it up on the fly with that one. I mean, it's clear when it's a tag up offside. And in this case, McCarr hasn't touched the puck in the offensive zone before Nachushkin tags up, uh, you know, that is gets back out of the blue line to come back in you know, that, that was a correct interpretation of the rule. There's, there's four or five other examples I saw bouncing around, you know, they've, they've called it that way before, I guess, is the point. It's not like this is just this one crazy instance and they, they interpreted the rule crazy. I mean, you might not like the rule. I mean, that, that, that's almost a different discussion, but it does appear as it was applied correctly here. And in fact, the Oilers believe that themselves, you know, once they've had a time to look at it, and, and, you know, have the explanation, have a discussion with the league. I, I think the Oilers are satisfied that the right call was made there. So, you know, the, the controversy in this case isn't so much about that goal. You know, all signs point to that should be a goal. I suppose it's moving forward. Do you still want that kind of play to be considered a goal? Is there a way to, to maybe have the rule be a little bit more clear cut? Again, I'm not trying to, to, to take a total pass. I just don't have a strong opinion there. I, I don't know how easy that would be to accomplish. Um, but the one thing I do know is I don't, I do not like the offside reviews. I think that it's, if, 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 you know, if a play happens and it's not clearly offside in real time and everyone keeps playing and a goal goes in, I just think it should be a goal. Um, you know, if there, there's a certain amount that the human eye is going to get wrong, 
And and I I don't like I really do not like offside reviews. And, and I'm scared every time we get to these big games that it's going to completely change the complexion of of you know basically the season, which team wins the cup because of something like that. I, I don't like again I don't like offside reviews either. But as we see gambling become more and more part of the fabric of uh, the fabric of the NHL and sports as well. It's important for these calls to be right. And as a result, having an offside review makes sense, even if it's not something that's ideal. Well, what about baseball? I mean, I, I, I'm a Blue Jays fan. Like I, I watch all kinds of games and the strike zone is all wacky depending on the umpire. Like the, those results still stand, right? If, uh, if, you know, there's there's over under strikeouts that you can probably bet on for a pitcher. And, and depending on the strike zone, that determines in some ways what happens with the number of strikeouts. I mean, I think that in sports, we have to live with the, the fact that there's it's not going to ever be perfect. I mean, that that much I know is sure we could be doing this podcast in 100 years. There could be robot umpires, referees, whatever it is, the you know, whatever the, the cutting edge technology of the day is. And I, I'm sure that, that we could still find instances where, where a call is made incorrectly. I, I just, I don't think that it's not to say we shouldn't strive to be as accurate as possible. Like I'm not throwing up my hands and going, well, let's let chaos reign. Let's just keep flipping coins and see what happens. But, but I do think that we're going to have, we should be comfortable with the idea that, that some things are, it's just going to escape it. And you know, with the offside review, I just don't see them. The, the linesmen don't miss very many. There was one famous one years ago where Matthew Shane was literally like five feet offside and it led to a goal, but like, well, that's, that's like, why we have offside reviews in the first place. Right. But that's like one out of like how many thousand goals in a year, like that it was like one really bad screw up, but it's not like all the, those, those kind of bad screw up happen all the time. And really the goals that are coming off the board again are ones where everybody keeps playing on the ice because everybody thinks it's onside. And then they're like, Oh, wait a minute. It was a hair offside. Now that we slowed it down. And so you know, they've at least changed the rule where you, you can have your skate off the ice. Remember, the skate had to be on the ice, and then we're yeah. like literally taking goals back on just, you know, a fraction of an inch of a player skating. Uh, they've at least made it a little bit, I guess, softer that way. But um, I, I just don't see I, – I, I, I like, there has to be some goal review, obviously. I just – I don't think offside review should be part of it. I have a question. What if for the offside review they added some type of time limit? Say like if the off if the goal happens within like 10, 15 seconds of the offside occurring, that is a reviewable point. And anything beyond that is not reviewable. Does that make sense? I think it makes some sense. But then I worry that we get into like one is 10.002 seconds after. And I, I think that you could. I understand the spirit though. Right. Cause like, you're right. After a certain point if everyone has just kept playing, you know, when, how far back can you go? But, you know, I'm sure they'll keep tweaking this stuff. I mean, look, these conversations are all happening. We're, we're what, two weeks away, give or take from a general manager's meeting. Uh, I'm sure the Coleman situation will be discussed there again. It doesn't mean there'll be changes, but it'll be looked at away from the emotion of the actual call in the game. And, you know, the, the GMs will have a chance to, to weigh in on whether it was the right call, whether something needs to be changed or adjusted in the rules or, or the wording of the rules. Um, you know, and, and I would think this will be discussed too. But, you know, back to the original point, I mean, my Twitter feed blew up, I'm sure, the same way yours did in real time on that McCar goal. But the actual correct call was made there. It was. One other thing on the McCar play. I also saw a handful what of a people shot say. too. I mean, like. Unfortunately, yeah, we're not crazy. talking about like what a ridiculous goal that was, but 
but uh, obviously something else has taken uh, precedence here. On that play, though, I've also seen a handful of people say that, oh, well, now that this is allowed, more and more people are just going to do what Kale McCarr did, which essentially just let the puck go in before he touches up as his, as Nachuskin is tagging up. So what do you think of, of that premise that more and more players are going to do that? Well, by all means, that would be playing within the rules. Go, go for it. I, I think it's much easier said than done at the speed the game's played. And, you know, generally the opposing team is stepping up as the blue line to challenge you before entering the zone. So if you want to just push it in and give up that little bit of possession, um, you know, you, you might be turning the puck over at a spot your coach doesn't want you to turn it over at. So I, I think that I don't have any problem if people want to try that. I, I just, I don't think it's as easily executed um, as it looks. And actually in that case, I'm not even sure to what degree he was doing all that on purpose, to be honest. I mean, it was pretty quick play, bang, bang, bang into the net. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is they, they got it right and they called it right on the ice. I, you know, I think give the linesman credit there. He, it was correctly called in real time. And so, um, you know, that, that, that's, that to me tells you it's, it's enforceable that way. And I, I don't find if more players want to try it. In fact, we haven't hyped it up enough to the point where we give Kale McCart credit for saying it was a smart play for him to do as far as I've seen. Well, because it's not clear if it's on purpose, right? I mean, either right. way, it's a smart play. Um, you know, he's aware that his teammate has to come out of the zone, but it just it happens so quick. Like, I don't, I don't know if he meant to lift his stick and so not touch the puck in that moment. You know, it's possible. I mean, he's so good. His, his puck skills are so good. I, I, I can't say he didn't do it on purpose. Um, but unfortunately, well, I'm, I'm sitting here in Toronto, so I definitely don't get a chance to talk to him. But even in today's day and age, I don't know if anyone will really get to him and get an answer on that. But um, you know, I, I do think it it's possible to do that on purpose. And, and, but either way, I mean, what a player, four points in that game. And, you know, I get why we're focused on the controversy, but I, I really enjoyed, I enjoyed game one of that series. And I'm not sure if anyone's going to stop any pucks in it. Honestly, I, this is not gambling advice, but I, I feel like, okay, it's not going to be eight, six every night, but I think we're going to see a ton of goals scored in that series, like going moving forward. I don't, I don't think it's like a defensive adjustment kind of issue. I think, the, the players are too good. And, and obviously with Kemper Hurd and, and, you know, everything going on, I just, I think we're going to see a ton of goal scoring uh, in the Western conference final. We're going to have more of our thoughts of, of game one of the Western conference final and of the Eastern conference final in a moment, we have to do sports interaction. Speaking of gambling advice, uh, always, if you're playing with sports interaction, 19 plus and over, we ask that you play responsibly. And there is a link to responsible gaming strategies in the description of this show. We have now seen game one in the Eastern and the Western Conference final. Uh, which of these two games do you want to start off with first in terms of your general impressions and thoughts? Well, let's start with with Edmonton, Colorado, because that'll be the that'll be the one that's made uh, most moot most quickly because they they play again uh, in a matter of hours for when we're recording this. Cool. So with Edmonton and Colorado, like we knew that there was going to be like star power, a goal scoring bonanza potentially, but like the fact that we were able to get it like off of game one, like from the jump. Like an 8-6 game, uh, we mentioned earlier with Kale McCart doing as well as he did. Like, did off that one game, did that series already match our expectations or surpass them? Oh, I, I think it surpassed it. I mean, so often 
when we hype up a specific angle in a hockey game, I find it doesn't happen. That that played out about as you much as you'd expect. I think a lot of people view Colorado as the favorite entering the series in that game on home ice. So, you know, their big boys did what you'd expect and, and all, all, you know, had a dent on the score sheet. Um, you know, Edmonton didn't go quietly. I, I think it was, it, it really lived up to billing and no one's going to want to talk about the goaltending of the series. I don't think, but I still think it's going to have a huge impact here. And the fact that Darcy Kemper appears um, injured, unavailable, you know, I don't know how long that's going to last. I don't have any real update on his condition, but you know, he had to leave a game where his team was ahead in the Western conference final. I mean, no player is doing that unless they absolutely can't play. And so, you know, that, that could uh, also have a say here, but you know, I just, I think the goals will keep coming. I, I don't, I don't imagine this will suddenly go into a bunch of two, one games. Uh, neither team is, is meant to play that way. I mean, when the avalanche have the puck, they are just rocket fuel, everybody towards the offensive zone, often with a D jumping in, you know, trying to create four on two or four on three situations. You know, when you do that, that you're at risk of course of turnovers and then, you know, odd man rushes going the other way. You know, you had Wayne Gretzky on the TNT panel saying like, these guys got to play defense. Like, I, I, I made my whole career on offense, but these guys got to play some defense. I hope they didn't listen too closely to Wayne because I, I think it's a lot of fun. I haven't seen hockey like this. Like I know the eighties were like this, but you know, let's face it. I was alive, but I wasn't, <laughs> I, I wasn't really consciously watching hockey in the eighties. I was really more of the nineties when I started watching the NHL. And so this is, this is even new to me. As long as I've been around the sport, I, I haven't seen so many games where you can expect this. I mean, we've seen already Edmonton play a nine, six and an eight, six game in one playoffs. You know, this is after a regular season. There was a 10, seven game with Detroit and Toronto. Like, it's, it's like normal that this is happening now. And I think it's awesome. And this series, this series gives us all hope. As I'm saying, I hope it doesn't devolve into two, one games and everybody worried about defense uh, because that was a hell of a lot of fun in game one. And it's got me pumped to, to see what we're going to see in game two and, and going forward. It's not as if Colorado and, and Edmonton can't play defense at all. It's just that they are two teams who, their best way of attacking is to use their offense. So if they, we saw like two, one games, it would pretty much go against both of those teams identities. So thank God, like we saw the goals that we saw in game one. Well, and you know, look, we might see it two, one or three, two game. It might be because one of the goalies makes 50 saves. I mean, I can live with that. Of course. I mean, if, if, if someone stands on his head, that, that, that's fine. I, I'm not saying it has to be eight, six every night, but I, I just love that. The, the flair, I mean, it's breathtaking how fast the game is and, and you know, how quickly Colorado is responding. Like Edmonton scores, like, bam, in the net right after, bam, in the net right after, like five goals in the first period of that series. Like, that's that's great. I mean, I, I think it's a lot of fun. It makes it where you can never feel too comfortable with what's going to happen. Um, and, you know, even we saw Edmonton clawed back from, from getting into a big deficit and, and made it a game. And so, you know, I, I think that that is, is a winning recipe for the NHL. I don't know that it can be repeated. We're talking two of the best offensive teams in the league now um, facing each other head to head. And then obviously some of the top individual um, offensive stars. I mean, it's, there's pretty special circumstances, but this is why we had McDavid McKinnon, like the boxing poster, you know, going into the series. I think that's, that's great for the NHL. And that's what I mean. I hope that these guys keep delivering and putting up silly numbers and breaking records and all that stuff. Like I, I just, I don't see a downside quite frankly. I mean uh, some of the, it's maybe some of the purists will be, banging their, their fist against the table. But, you know, I think it's, it's great for the sport. And, and I just know personally, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Considering the performance that Kale McCarr put on in game one, 
should we have actually made the poster uh, McDavid versus McCarr? I mean, you already have a forward going up against a defenseman as opposed to two forwards going at each other. I think you could have. I mean, this guy is so clearly special. Um, you know, there's really not necessarily another player like him in the league. Um, you know, he's he, he he's not afraid to jump in offensively. I think that's 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 where his gifts are. But but he's scoring in ways and that we really haven't seen many defensemen. I guess like Eric Carlson in his prime, maybe or Mike Green even to you know had a thirty goal season for the Washington Capitals back in the day. Um, but you know, I, I, I think you could put, I would have been fine with that or, or, you know, have like the undercard be dry side on the car. Um, you know, either way it's, it's, it, of course, like the, the, the draw here isn't just that it's two guys, it, everyone on the, on the lower cards here are pretty good. I mean, we barely talked about Evander Kane. He's got a goal game in 13 playoff games Zach Hyman's continued to score for them. You know, Nazem Kadri scoring for for Colorado. You you've still got Landis Cog and Ranton in there. I mean, it's just there's there's talent up and down the lineups, two lines deep and really into the third line, and then you got the the big boys at the top who, you know, I think ultimately will on some level decide the series. Um, doesn't mean every game they're going to have four points apiece, but you know the the it's a pretty big something big stands in front of both these guys, right? Like. Nathan McKinnon, if you remember last year, was was just it's like someone had shot his dog at, at his exit interview. And, you know, he was saying that he's been in the league nine years. I'm paraphrasing. I haven't accomplished anything like he must feel that way. And, and Connor McDavid, even for all the scoring titles and, and everything he's compiled, the hard trophies in, in it all, like, you know, that it doesn't matter. Like what matters to him is getting his hands on, on the shiny, shiny silver thing. And so, it, you know, they have to go through the fact they have to go through each other to get a chance to play for it, I, I think is so compelling in and of itself. And as a result, given their talent and given what's at stake, I just don't see how these, these two aren't the main drivers of, of what happens as this series goes along. I don't remember if I asked you on the last episode, but between McDavid and and, uh, McKinnon, which of these two superstars do you think is under the most pressure to win this series? Maybe McKinnon, just because he's a little older and, you know, we're viewing his team as being better and, and the odds makers are viewing his team as being better. You know, I, I think that that that's probably the case, but look, they're both going to feel into crazy internal pressure. I mean, that's how you get as good as they have been. They're, they're, their drivetrain is much deeper and much more intense than anything anyone on the outside could, could put on them. Um, but, you know, I think because Mc, McKinnon's a little older and, and, you know, Colorado's, not necessarily going to be quite as deep moving forward. I mean, we'll see that they, they've got a great front office, so it's not saying it can't be done, but they're, they're definitely going to face some challenges and some hard decisions in the near future on contracts. And so this is a great opportunity for him. You know, McDavid, I don't see this quite the same pressure in Edmonton. I, I think they're going to return a pretty similar team and he's going to have more cracks at it, to, you know, just by, by virtue of his age. Okay. Uh, last thing with the goaltending, because Darcy Kemper does leave game one. Uh, seems as if he's still having issues with his eye, which we know that occurred after the during the Nashville series in the first round. Do you if 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 Pavel Frenzos has to be the guy going forward for Colorado, how do you think that affects their chances for this series? Well, I think it weakens them. You know, Frenzos is he's he's not new in the league and he's played big games, but you know, Kemper has been the better goaltender for them this season and and really across his career. 
Um, you know, you just hope the best for Kemper. He's a pending unrestricted free agent. So there's, you know, the business side to consider here, but obviously the personal side, anytime you have an injury in and around the eye and your vision for any player, it's scary. And, and, you know, especially a goaltender. Um, and yeah, so I, I do think that it, 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 it brings in the possibility for chaos, man. It brings in maybe the, the juices, is it juices, Antonin, Antonin? I know anyways, it, um, you know, pretty highly rated prospect in the Avalanche organization. He's now in kind of as a number three slash number two. Um, and we've seen so many goaltenders across all the series. I mean, maybe you're, you're, you're throwing another sort of not yet known player, at least at the NHL level, uh, in, into, you know, the biggest games could end up being the biggest games of his career. Um, you know, so I think it could have a huge impact on the series, you know, how Mike Smith rebounds will as well. You know, we saw him, lit up in the Calgary series, but he's been really good all playoffs long, but you wonder, can, can he keep that up? Can he rebound? You know, where's his mind at? I mean, I think goaltending is still going to have a huge say in what happens as well, because, because of all the offensive talent can, if anyone can find something there and get some big saves, it's going to, you know, tilt the scales in, in their, in their direction. Speaking of goaltending, we expected goaltending to be, the marquee thing to look out for in the Eastern Conference final with the Rangers and the Lightning. And then Andre Vasilevsky allows six goals against the New York Rangers as the uh, the Broadway Blue Shirts win game one. What did you think of that game? I give Tampa a total pass. Like I'm not I'm not reaching any judgment on them until I see them play at least game two of the series. And even if they were to lose game two, I would still not be saying like, you know, like they're in huge, huge trouble. And and uh, you know, obviously the stakes are, are real in, in the playoffs. Every game really matters and it gets more important as the series goes along. But I just think those guys have earned the right to kind of have a stinker. And it was a bit of a stinker. And I don't think we can avoid the fact they did have all that time off. It's not an excuse. I just think if you don't play a game for nine days while the other teams been playing every other day, it's, it's going to have some impact on the way things go. And now they're, they're in a fight. I mean, What's interesting is most people forget they got smacked right at the start of the playoffs, right? I think it was five, one, the first game against the Leafs, something like that, five, two, maybe, but it was anyway, they got, beat. The, I, they, they got beat pretty good. And like, they didn't even, I was covering that series. Like they didn't even blink. Like I remember the next day they, they, they had a practice out at the rink and, you know, talking to some of their guys, the way John Cooper conduct himself. It's just like, yeah, that happened. That's gone. And we know the way that that series went, you know, I, I just don't think that they're the, they have so much experience and so much uh, confidence in the way that they play when they're at their best that they just know that one, that wasn't anywhere near their best and they're going to have to bring it uh, when they get to game two. And so, you know, I, I'm not going to make any bold predictions out of game one, other than to say the lightning have lots of life uh, even, even after losing that one in, in rather dispiriting fashion. That being said, I give full marks to the Rangers at how they play. Philip Heedle and his line doing an excellent job. Keandre Miller also doing really well. And the Igor's better chance, well-deserved for Igor Shosturkin. I'm not ready to say he's better than Andre Vasilevsky yet, but on that night, Igor Shosturkin looked better than Andre Vasilevsky. Awesome. And and look, at Igor Shosturkin was better across the regular season than Andre Vasilevsky. I, I think if you had to pick one goaltender with your life on the line, sort of a Bill and Ted's kind of situation here. I'm still taking Vasilevsky just given, you know, the, what we've seen him do and the, and the way he can really channel his focus. You know, he's just so big, so athletic. I still think he's the best goalie in the league, but you know, Shesterkin is, has made a ridiculously strong start to his NHL career too. If you look at the numbers, 
I think he's like 928 career save percentage. I mean, it's so far and above average um, that, that he's got a chance to, over time, start taking some of that away from Vasilevsky. I mean, that's that's how this this goes. You become the best. You get that sort of best label by by beating the other best, and and you know now now he's the now the contenders are taking shots at him. I, I love it. I think it's a cool undercard to the series. You know the fact they're both Russian makes it more interesting as well. Just you know countrymen uh, battling for that, and you know the Rangers are so so lucky. I think I made the point on a previous pod, but to to, to jump right from Henrik Lundqvist to Shesterkin is you know. It, it's, you know, it's like going from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers or, yes you know, like Mario Lemieux to Sidney Crosby, although Pittsburgh did have some, um, you know, tough middle years there. You know, Lemieux did retire for a couple of years, but, you know, it just, just getting, going from like this one to the next one is unbelievable turn of fortune for the organization. Great job, obviously, drafting both those players. They weren't first round, first overall picks and developing them, but um yeah, that was that was you're right. That was a great chant from the, the crowd at the garden. And and you know Shesterkin will be be thinking that. He'll be embracing the, the chance to try to be a player that I'm sure he's he's looked up to. I mean, he's only two years younger, but you know, the player that's that's done all the things that he wants to do over in this league in North America. And it's helped that his offense in front of him has has helped out tremendously. I mean, uh, Chris Crowder and Mika Zabinajad combining on that goal within seconds of the game starting. Kreider has had himself a great postseason as well as a Benajad. Adam Fox continuing to put up points from the back end as well. I already mentioned K. Andre Miller. And again, I'm going to bring up Philip Hedel, who has found a way to put up heaters in all these different games throughout the postseason. That core for the Rangers, you know, we're, we're still a couple of years off from the letter where everyone, where the organization said there's going to be pain for the next few years. And they've been able to assemble this roster that, I'm looking at how well they're playing right now. Like if maybe they make a couple tweaks here and there, but they could be making runs to the conference final for a while if they keep this up. Yeah. This should be an exciting time. If you're a fan of that team or you're working in the organization, because you're seeing, you know, I don't know what they're, I mean, every team sets the bar at the Stanley cup pretty much every year to start, but I don't know if they really believe that. Um, but it's, it's happened so quickly and full marks to them. You know, I think the one difference to, to put a, a point on the goaltending conversation though, that, that I, that we, we should be tracking this series is the Rangers tend to rely on Shesterkin a lot and he's been able to, to handle that, but they, they give up a lot of chances. Uh, they give up a lot of shots and the lightning at their best really close things down in front of Vasilevsky. And, and so I just wonder if that will eventually become kind of a dynamic at play there. It's not just the goaltenders head to head. It's, it's the way the team play, unfolds in front of them, the kind of chances that are given up. I think that that's something to keep watching. Um, you know, but I also see that as a positive for the Rangers that I, I make that point because I think there's an area of clear growth in front of them where that's something they can tighten up over time or maybe make a few personnel adjustments that, that you know, have them basically control more of the shot share and, and take some of take some of the, the burden off the, the shoulders of that guy between the pipes. I mean, it's, it's great that he can make the saves. It's maybe not as extreme as Winnipeg, but it reminds me of the Jets. You know, Connor Hellebuck's been one of the better goaltenders in the league, and and certainly his best goes head to head with with pretty much the best of any other player. But it just seems for too many years the Jets relied on him to be that great, and and there wasn't much margin for error if he ever wasn't on on his game. I, I see the potential for something similar with with New York, and so you know they're not a fully formed group, and some of their young guys I think are, are still going to get that much more impactful, like in the immediate future. I mean, like next year, they'll be better than this year. And two years from now, same thing. 
Um, but I mean, no reason to think they won't be hanging around and playing all kinds of playoff games for the next five seasons. Yeah, and they could be off. They could be in a worse position with the, the guys they have at the back end with Fox and, and Truba and Miller. You know, they have some pretty good defense with the back end. They can still play a, a good defensive structure. They've shown it at times in the postseason as well. But you're right. They do tend to allow a lot of shots versus Dirk. And it could happen where they could get a lot better. I just think with this core, the way they've assembled everything right now, and I understand them being in New York, it's a lot easier for them to learn free agents and other high-quality players. But if I was a Rangers fan right now, I would be over the moon. If you if you include the first, the, the three, I think like Shesterkin was like 3-0-0 against the Lightning. He's now 4-0-0 this year against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I would be over the moon as a Rangers fan. Absolutely. I mean, start getting excited. Like this, as much as we're talking about the future, the present is really all that matters. Because things happen in sports. Like we can say this, like, oh, this, this team's going to be here forever. But, you know, sometimes you fast forward six years and you're still trying to win your first playoff round with, with that group of star players. And, and that's not even a shot at the Leafs. It's, it's just the truth. Like, there's no guarantees it's going to happen ever. And so they're here. There's seven wins as we're recording this from winning the Stanley Cup. You might as well go win those seven games right now. Like, like delaying it another 12 months, just assuming you'll be back in the third round. Like, all kinds of things can happen. Other teams get better. You get injuries. I mean, it's a crazy sport, as we know. I mean, I, look, we we took some heat from some of our listeners, and rightfully so, for not talking about the Rangers enough. We might be, t- we might now be talking about a team going to the Stanley Cup final. We didn't give them any flowers all regular season long, or, or only a very small amount of flowers. And so, look, it's it it just goes to show. I think that's some surprising things that you don't expect to happen unfold, and they got a hell of an opportunity in their hands um, at this moment. Um, you know, we saw Braden Point skating, which was you know, a good sign on the surface. We also saw him, you know, fall basically awkwardly shooting after on an empty net. Like he's clearly in a difficult spot. I mean, that guy is the ultimate gamer. I had so much respect for point as a player. Um, and he's going to try to get back. But I mean, the lightning also aren't the full lightning and, and they have played a lot of games and being without him as a second line, you know, having two, two top lines uh, the way they, they have for a lot of their, their success in, in recent Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, with point being out, you know, I, I think that there's there's also opportunity there for the Rangers to to shock the world and, and get to the final. Do you? I don't think we see Braden Point at all in this series. What if Tampa somehow makes not somehow, but what if they make the final? Do you think we get to see Braden Point at all for the rest of this postseason? If you say that they're going to play in the Cup final, like if we just if that's our premise, so we're talking basically up to three and a half, four weeks of more hockey from now. I think we see him play a game. Now, I don't know how effective he'll be. I don't know if it'll be like a Steven Stamkos circa the, the Edmonton bubble, like five shifts and scores a goal kind of game. But I think you're going to see him, if he's already skating, you know he's doing literally everything he can to get back. And so if you give him another three, potentially three and a half, four weeks of runway in terms of with the Lightning schedule playing out that much longer, I do think you see him play. But I'm with you. I, I don't, it's not like I'm, I'm keeping an eye on them for game two or anything like that in this series. I mean, it's pretty clear. I mean, I don't even know what percent he's at, um, but that guy's got the heart of a champion. And and I think he'll will himself back into the lineup if they, they get a chance to get back to the cup final. Okay. Let's transition over to an article you wrote for North star bets. The NHL playoffs have been a war of attrition between the pipes. And you can say that for a number of teams in this postseason, but you focused a lot 
on the Carolina Hurricanes situation. They didn't have a healthy Freddie Anderson. They had to rely on anti-Ranta. And it looked as if it might have just worked out for them until the very end of their second round series, where we had to see Pyotr Kochekov a handful of times. It didn't work for the Carolina Hurricanes. Them not winning away from home also didn't help either. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I wanted to talk more about the article that you wrote. Uh, the NHL playoffs have been a war of attrition between the pipes. Well, here's how I view it. Unless you have Andre Vasilevsky or Igor Shosturkin, which, you know, what, 25 teams don't have anyone close to as reliable as that? Like, I feel like the position has never been less certain. There, there's just, there's potholes everywhere for GMs making goaltending decisions because objectively, Carolina did a good job last summer. You know, they traded Alex Nedeljkovic away. They let James Ryder and Peter Mrazek walk in free agency. They replaced them with Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta. You know, obviously took some risk there. Those are two goaltenders went healthy that both have delivered excellent uh, NHL careers, but they both had stretches and recent stretches where they weren't healthy. Well, what do those two guys do? Uh, and, you know, I remember speaking to Rod Brindamore at the All-Star weekend in Vegas, and he was like, he was nervous. He's like, you're nervous when you basically completely turn over your goaltending. You don't know what you're going to get. And it worked tremendously. Carolina wins the Metropolitan Division. Those guys win the William M. Jennings Trophy for allowing the fewest goals in the regular season as a tandem. But then you get to game seven of the second round and neither of them is available after Ranta left that game injured. And, and so, you know, I kind of see it as if you don't have, if you're not fortunate to be in Julian Breesbaugh's shoes or Chris Jury's shoes and have sort of the, the player that's shown that, that he's not only amazing, but he's durable. Because that's Andre Vasilevsky, as much as we can rave about his numbers in game sevens, like he has played more than any goaltender other than Connor Hellebuck in the last three regular seasons. And he has played every Tampa Bay Lightning playoff game uh, on those two cup runs and then this, this, this third year now. I mean, he's played so much more hockey than anyone else at his position, um, you know, going back to, to 2019. And he's been amazing. So, like, he's not just – he's eating up minutes and he's, and he's elite in his performance. And so – you know, I think beyond that, it's it's a real roll of the dice. And, like, I think it's interesting even to rewind back to last – we can go back two years, right? So two years ago in free agency, the Edmonton Oilers are not feeling comfortable with their goaltending. They try really hard to get Jacob Markstrom. Well, Markstrom ends up signing up the highway in Calgary. Now, they just eliminated Markstrom, and they still have the same two goalies they had when they weren't completely comfortable with what they had then. And then last summer – Edmonton tries to trade for Darcy Kemper from Arizona, is, is involved quite heavily in those discussions. He ultimately goes to Colorado. Now they're facing, of course, Kemper, although he's out injured in this series in this round. Well, what was Colorado trying to do that day? First of all, they were trying to re-sign Philip Grubauer the morning of July 28th last summer. That didn't happen. At the same time, they had discussions with Frederick Anderson's camp. Um, you know, Anderson ultimately decided he couldn't wait for the Grubauer situation to play out. He signs in Carolina. Like what I'm saying is all these teams that were sniffing around a Stanley Cup this year were kind of going after a lot of the same goaltenders. And now they're, you know, in some cases it's worked and some it hasn't. I don't, I don't know that you can lay blame certainly at the GM's feet. So I, mean, I guess the GM ultimately makes the decisions. And so, he, you know, he's responsible for what plays out. But, you know, I think some of this is, is luck because 13 of the 16 teams that have played in this year's playoffs have used at least two goaltenders. And Pittsburgh used three in round one. And we're in a situation now where, you know, Tampa is one of the ones that hasn't used to. So we could still get the 14 out of 16 if, if we see Brian Elliott, you know, play at some point in the playoffs, which could happen through injury or, or performance for, for Vasilevsky. And so, 
man, it's just, it's never been less clear. I think what you can do with your goaltending injuries seem to be popping up more than ever. You know, UC Saros was a workhorse for Nashville, been one of the best goalies. I'd say the last two regular season was the best of finalists last year. You know, he gets injured in the last week or two of the regular season. He doesn't play in the playoffs. You know, Anderson didn't play at all in the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I'm not, there's, it's one of these articles where you don't have a conclusion other than, holy shit, I'm glad my job isn't being, you know, gauged on what decision you make with a goaltender because it, it just feels less certain than ever, more of a roll of the dice than, than I can ever recall it being. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. With I find with goaltending, I, I, I was saying this a lot earlier in the postseason, it's not so much about having the goalie kind of carry you through. It's becoming more and more of just having a goalie carry you through. I mean, last year we ended up seeing a, a Stanley Cup final that had Carey Price and Andre Vasilevsky, two guys at the near pinnacle of the position, but also very handsomely paid in their position. But we're not that far off from Andre Vasilevsky versus Anton Udobin or, 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 or Matt Murray on like a pretty cheap contract as well. Like goaltending is just really, you just have to catch fire at the right time. Right. And Anton Hudobin, that was two years ago in the Edmonton bubble. He played a bunch of games in the American Hockey League this year. And that was the same guy that, that helped Dallas get to the cup final in, in, in the bubble and, you know, got them within two wins of the cup. So who knows? You know what I mean? Like, I, I love the old goaltending is voodoo statement, but I, I think it's it's like voodoo, black magic and, you know, Where's the, 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 you know, is Mercury in retrograde, like, like trying to figure this thing out. You're trying to like, you're lining up all these, these things and, and, you know, let's face it, some good luck plays into it. Cause you know, all the players were saying, as I say, like when Frederick Anderson played this year, he was awesome. Anti Ranta, frankly, if you look across his whole career, he's consistently been an above average performer, but he's also consistently dealt with just crazy series of injuries. And so, you know, you, you want those guys on your team, but you're just hoping they can stay healthy and get through a season. You know, even Mike Smith, it looked like a total disaster for Edmonton at the start of this year. He, you know, we missed the first two months of the season, essentially played a couple games right out of the gate and lost five in a row when he actually got back in the lineup. And then, you know, but then he's, he's maybe more rested when he gets to this playoff run and he's been really good across the playoffs. I mean, we'll see what happens now. He's, he's facing a challenge unlike any he's seen from against the Kings or, or Flames. Uh, with with Colorado's top players, but it, it's just it feels like the Wild West with goalies. And ideally, you probably need three guys you sort of could trust and you just hope one of them gets hot when it matters. But I, I don't know how you do that. I, I don't know. It's it's really hard for teams. You know, you look at a team like the Leafs coming up this offseason, you know, even Edmonton's going to have to sign a goaltender, I would think, with Miko Koskinen's contract expiring. It's just it's just hard to know what because those teams are expected to be contenders again next year and and but the the path to contention isn't exactly clear with with the uncertainty at that position. I just find it hilarious with Edmonton on this podcast. We've said okay, they're going to be in the market for a goalie. A lot of people are saying, man, they got to get a goalie. They got to trade for Mark Andre Fleury. They got to go and get this guy. They tried to get Jacob Marchand, but didn't work. Mike Smith is not going to be the guy. We've been banging that drum for months and months on end, and here they are in the conference final with Mike Smith. Who do we all talk about? Like Jonas Corposalo, Braden Holtby, like trade targets in season. And we wondered about Marc-Andre Fleury and that, that never had any legs, but you know, you're right. We, we, we discussed that so much. I mean, look at the goaltending probably cost Dave Tippett his job more than anything. If you look at that 15 game stretch through December and January, where they won about two games, 
Like they, they got no goaltending. They were down one, nothing. It felt like when every game started, you know, there was a game they actually played against the Rangers at Madison square garden. Dave Tippett just threw Miko Koskinen right under the bus afterwards. Like in a way you don't see coach do often, but it's sort of like, what can we do? Like we're controlling everything and the pucks are going in. It's so, it's such a critical position, obviously. And and when you don't have it, there's not like, there's almost no way to compensate for it, but yeah, I mean, look, it's great. If you have Vasilevsky, you sign him to that contract. If you have peak career, Carey Price, you just you just hold tightly onto those guys. But even Carey, unfortunately, right, his career has has run into a number of injuries. You know, going back over several years, um, and then you know added on to some personal issues this year that that kept him you know from playing very many games. So th- there's no certainty. There's just no certainty with goaltending. But but I, I am certain you need good goaltending to win a cup. You know, you need it in that moment. Um, and sometimes it comes from unexpected places. You need a goalie, not necessarily the goalie. I like that one. Patent that one, bud. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we got to use that. That's a CJ show motto. I don't know if we have, like, lists of mottos and, like, sayings for the show, but that's something we can just kind of save. Um, before we get to stick taps, any thoughts on uh, Martin Saint-Louis and the three-year contract extension he signs with the Montreal Canadiens? I'm happy to see him back. We're not surprised to see him back, of course. Um, I think his contract might even have an, an option for a fourth year. So, you know, I just, I like that we're going to get to see him over multiple seasons. It's kind of my view and a little bit of an outside the box hiring, you know, by the Canadians in February, but you know, the way he speaks and, and like his views on the game, he's still such a player in mindset, uh, which I think is fascinating. and. You know, I love the, the the quotes he was giving, Julian, I'm sure you were on the, the conference call about, you know, not sacrificing a couple wins in this coming season over the development of his younger players. I mean, this idea that he's trying to build a team to win over a long period of time. I mean, not every coach has afforded that kind of luxury, right? I mean, some coaches, they're coaching for their job every season. And so, you know, they need a team that's, that's gunning for the playoffs. But it seems like Montreal is taking a, a wider view. And I just think with a coach like San Luis, with, his approach where literally a guy who's been through waivers, been a fourth liner, been an art Ross trophy winner, been an all-star, you know, won a Stanley cup. I mean, really it's just run the gamut of his career as a player. I think he can relate to the, the different, you know, situations on his roster. And, and I think he's going to coach in a manner that's a little different. And so I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how that all plays out and what it means obviously for whoever this number one draft pick is that, that the Canadians make next month. You know, but also Cole Caulfield and, and Nick Suzuki and some of the younger players on the roster that I think are are really going to benefit from a different approach from from the, the coach. Yeah, like this three year extension, I kind of see it like this for St. Louis. That first year, so next year, all about continuing to develop your players and ensure that we, whether it's Shane Wright or Yurash Lovkovsky or whoever else is drafted, if they're on the team or not, and all the other young players, ensuring that they continue to progress. And I still think that. Considering the fact they finished in last place, like the 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 bar doesn't need to be raised all like the floor is is pretty is they're at the floor. Like if they jump up from 32nd to 28th, that's still progress of some sort. They don't need to win that much. They don't need to be competitive next year. I'm curious about what it'll be like after year two, or maybe in year two, when Martin is saying that we have to get to a point where he has to start winning games. Like, what is that going to be like? Will he have progressed enough? as a coach to get to a point where he is all about 
getting his team to win games. Cause I'm sure that lineup will look very different in year two compared to what it was this past year and this upcoming season. Well, I think next year is going to look different too. And and I don't get a sense organizationally that the Canadians want to be bad for years. Like I, I think that there, there will be a certain pressure to, to win at a, a point, but you're right to point out. I just don't, I don't think that point is this October. Um, I mean, it'd be great if they could do that. No one's, no one's saying lose on purpose. If, if, if somehow he can get these young guys playing in a way, if, if, you know, maybe that number one overall pick is a little bit more ready to, to make an immediate impact in the NHL. I mean, lots of things can happen. Um, you know, I, I think of the, the 16, 17 Maple Leafs, you know, when Austin Matthews was a rookie, Mitch Marner was a rookie, they ended up making the playoffs. And I don't think too many people expected that at that point in time. It, it can happen if you're young guys, if you find someone who can score 40 goals as a rookie, which Austin Matthews did, for example, or something like that, make it, make a real contribution. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't know. I got a feeling about San Luis. It's, it's, it's just, there's a little, there's something different there. I mean, obviously we've seen tons of former players become head coaches in the league, but uh, I feel like he's got a real unique view. And I think he's got a lot of self-belief. I mean, he's had to have self-belief to, to build the career he built. And I, I just, I see someone who's not going to just follow the industry norms. I see someone who's going to, do what he believes is, is right. Do it no matter what anyone's writes or says in the media. And when you do that, I think that you, you have the possibility to really do something special. I think that's what the, the lightning organization has done quite honestly. I mean, obviously they've got great players, but they've gotten them in, in a lot of different ways. You know, they got Nikita Kucherov, for example, they drafted him at a time. A lot of teams were shying away from drafting Russian players because there was a concern in sort of the mid 2010s or early 2010s that that Russian players weren't going to sign in the NHL and that you'd be wasting your pick. And at the and they also that's when they got Vasilevsky and Vladimir and Nikita Nesterov and a bunch of others. You know, I, they, they've they've not followed which way the wind was blowing. They they made their own decisions and stuck to it. And I think it's really paid off. And I I think that that's what you're going to see with San Luis as a coach. And that's why I I really believe, even though he doesn't he didn't sort of follow the traditional model climb his way up through the AHL, be an assistant, this and this and that. I, I, I don't, I actually believe that his will and his intelligence cr- create the possibilities. He's hyper successful. Yeah. It, it helps that he has the career that he has, or he had the career that he had in the NHL. And he's, he, he's, he said it a number of times, you know, he's got, he's the best thing he's good at is getting better. And he's shown that as a player and, I think for Canadians fans, they'll want him to do that as a head coach. But again, for next year, if he's able to continue the development of their younger players, continuing to build whatever culture they're trying to build with the Montreal Canadiens, that's still going to be a win. I'm sure a lot of fans are still going to want them to be in the sweepstakes for Connor Bedard in the draft next year. But if there's improvement from the players, I don't think too many people can complain too much about what Martin Saint-Louis does as head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, which is still very as, as someone who has seen him play in like his best years, it's still really surreal to like go into the press conference room and see him walk in and be like, oh my God, like I, I, I watched you in the 04 final and I wanted the Lightning to win that year. And now you are the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens team I covered. That's, it's a bit surreal for me. Life comes at you fast, bud. It absolutely does. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Almost cough there. You could tell uh, I've, I've had to struggle a little bit with uh, being under the weather today. Thank you for your patience. With that, it's time for stick taps. Um, my stick taps a little bit more general. Uh, it is June. Uh, it is Pride Month. 
a lot of people are going to take an opportunity to just slap on a, a rainbow sticker and just be like, Hey, happy pride, but don't use that. as just, just to do that. Use that as an opportunity to educate yourself on the history of pride. Uh, use that to continue to make yourself more tolerant. If you aren't already about uh, people in the LGBTQ uh, community as well, uh, take your time to, again, educate yourself. Guys like Brock McGillis are so great to listen to, uh, to hear speak either on documentaries. They did a little mini feature with Sportsnet the other day. Uh, so yeah, take the time to do that. And also June is uh, National uh, Indigenous History Month as well. Uh, we know over the last how many years, we are getting more and more exposure to the atrocities that uh, Indigenous communities have experienced, especially in Canada with what has taken place with residential schools. With June, uh, don't don't just be the guy, the person who just puts up a post on on IG and feel your work is done. You know, take the opportunity to educate and listen to people from those two communities about what is going on with them. So a bit of a, a bit of an interesting stick tap, but just for anyone who's trying to just either fly those flags or or just educate themselves or just bringing awareness to those things with uh, with the LGBTQ community or the indigenous community. Salute to you guys. So those are my stick taps. Yeah, shout out to our pal, Robert Malloy as well. Um, and lots of great voices in the, in the space. You know, mine, I'll just go hockey because uh, I should have probably went first. Yours was much more eloquent, Julian, as usual. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to give mine to Valtteri Filpula. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've spoken in recent episodes about my love for the World Hockey Championship. Really cool to see him post NHL career to, to win the, the world championship with Finland last weekend to join the triple gold club uh, and be the first Finn to do so. You know, Finland's a country that is near and dear to my heart, a place that I have a lot of friends from and loves the, the sport that's given me my livelihood. So uh, cool to see Phil Pula join that, that, that group. And as I, I, I think that it won't be much longer before we're seeing more Finns get there. We just need a few more, to get their hands on the Stanley Cup or, or you know, play in future world championships because that country is clearly on the rise in the world of hockey. 100%. And that's going to do it for this Thursday edition of the Chris Johnston Show. CJ, always a pleasure to do these shows with you, whether I'm at 100% or at more of a 50-55. This was your flu game episode, man. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, I got through it. I got through it. I mean, it could be a lot worse, you know, but so producer Nick gave up coffee this week. You're, you're sick. I mean, who's, I guess I got to carry this thing every once in a while. I mean, I'm usually on your guys's back. I, I don't know, man. I feel like you do enough with the insight and the uh, hijinks, you know, some of the hand stuff that you bring from episode to episode. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, fine. You know, you, you, you have the CJ game, but uh, this is a team effort. We all find a way to contribute equally here on the CJ show. We do a damn good job at it, too. There's no I in team, but there is an I in Julian, Chris, and Nick. Yes. Think yes, there that. is. That That is very, very true. Uh, that's why CJ is one of the best in the biz people coming up with smart, intelligent observations like he just did. Uh, if you are listening to this, now is the time to get your questions in. Uh, for Monday's episode, ask CJ. You could, if you're on Discord, put it on the uh, questions channel or uh, tweet at uh, reporter Qu reporter Chris with the hashtag Ask CJ, and uh, we'll try to get to those questions for uh, the Ask CJ segment on the Monday. Check out all of the other great shows on the SDPN network, and yeah, 
that's going to do it. For Siege, I'm Julian. So long. Peace. Back on Monday. And I hope I sound a lot better than I sound right now. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.